Okay, so uh, they say that first impressions are pretty important, yeah? I think, I think so. If you don't know, uh, in my job, I'm the director of a charity, and I spend a huge amount of my time talking to a whole host of people that I've never, ever met before and that I don't know. So for me, I need to make a good first impression, and I kind of feel like I want to communicate well. It's quite important to me. So just before Easter, uh, I traveled across to Chester uh, to a head teachers network meeting to try and convince them or share with them a little bit about our work, try and get them to come and be involved. I'd avoided all the snow, so we'd had that beast from the east, remember that? And then there was a second wave of snow, it was all over the M62. I'd managed to avoid that, I'd had a brilliant journey. I got to the school in good time, I was sat there in the reception, good first impressions, everything's going all right. After about five minutes, the head teacher comes out, comes across to me and says, oh, it's Dan Finn, isn't it? This was my response. I held up my hand and said, speaking. <laughs> no word of a lie. I do not know what happened. It was as if I actually wasn't there and I was sat on the phone or something, so uber formally, speaking. There I went. It was incredibly embarrassing. It was not a good first impression at all. And I had to kind of try and recover for the rest of the meeting. Well... I share that story with you because I think in much of our lives, first impressions, good communication is pretty important. But today, we're going to be thinking about passion. Passion in our prayer, and this is something that is messy, really messy. It's not about polite or formal words. It's rather about being raw, being honest, being vulnerable in our communication with God. But at the same time, I want to speak to you about having a strategy in prayer. So being deliberate, being intentional in our prayers. I think that passion and strategy can combine. And when they do, I think they can be incredibly powerful for our prayer life. I'm going to unpack in a bit what we mean by the word strategic. But I want to start by being really honest with you about my prayer life. I'm no expert in prayer. It's not been an easy talk to prepare for this. I don't feel I'm any expert at all. Prayer remains a continual battle for me a lot of the time. I don't think that I'm particularly strategic or planned in my prayers. Sometimes I'm fueled by passion. Other times I struggle even to attempt to know what to think, let alone say in my prayers. But... Over the past year, year and a half actually, there have been a number of things that I've been learning about this topic that have really helped me to deepen my relationship with God and my prayer life. For the last 18 months, I've been on a course called uh, Personal Spiritual Development. It's run by a bunch of priests and nuns in St. Bede's Pastoral Centre here in York. I was convinced to go on it by Luke, who'd been a couple of years ago. And it's a big commitment. Every Thursday night for about two and a half hours, I go and hang out with these nuns, and the idea is that I find out a little bit more about prayer and try and deepen my journey and my relationship with God. So when I started the course, I had to complete a questionnaire all about prayer. Here are some of my highlights for you. When you think about prayer, what instinctively comes to mind? Hard work. I prefer to do it with others. I feel pretty rubbish about my own prayer life. I think there might be some potential. What do you want from prayer? To enjoy it more often? For it to be a bit more of a two-way thing? More relevant to my everyday life? How long do you honestly find comfortable as a prayer period? I have no idea. It can't be more than a couple of minutes, after which I usually fall asleep. 
What's most difficult about the idea of prayer? I should know how to do this. I've been a Christian for years. I don't particularly enjoy it. It feels one way. Why should I bother? What's most difficult about the reality of prayer? Most of the time, I'm exhausted. I don't see any benefits. Instinctively, what's your reaction to the following statements? Prayer should be absolutely regular. I can't do it. Do I want to do it? Is that realistic? Prayer should be fun sometimes. Whoa, that would be super amazing. I should like being with God and praying. I'd love to feel more like that. So you might be sat here thinking, well, Dan's not very qualified to speak on this subject of prayer this afternoon. Um, And you're probably right. But what I might argue is that what I've just described there can be the reality at some point or another for a lot of us in our prayer life, or maybe pretty regularly. And so I hope that something what I've been learning on this course, I can pass on to you a little bit today. But more importantly than that, what we have to remember is that we are a community here and we can help one another in the way that we pray. We can help one another in our prayer lives. So firstly, I want to think about strategic. Why be strategic? When we use the word strategic, we simply mean being intentional, being deliberate, being thoughtful. So when you come to pray, hopefully there's some context, some thought, some passion possibly behind your prayers, or even, dare I say it, some planning behind your prayer. Why should it be like this? You might be sat here saying, well, can't it just be a conversation? Of course it can. We've been learning about that over this series, how important it is just to start the conversation with God. But there is something else that we need to learn that is vitally important, something about this life that we are living. If we look in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, written by a chap called Paul, he makes it really, really clear that as people that are following Jesus, we're in a battle. It'll be on the screen. Let's read this together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we're encouraged to take our stand against the devil's schemes. Or another word for schemes here could be strategy. So why should you be strategic? Because that's exactly how the enemy, the devil, is being towards you. He has got a strategy to pull you down, to accuse you, to fill you with guilt and doubt and make you ineffective for Jesus. Ever since the resurrection of Jesus... The devil, who was defeated once and for all time, has been absolutely petrified. Petrified of this life-transformational, forgiving, new life message spreading across the globe. Now, I just want to state at this point that when we speak of the devil, speak of the devil, I think there can be a couple of unhelpful reactions or responses to this being or this word. For some, they paint him as some fantasy figure in some leggings with like horns on his head and a pitchfork poking people up the backside. 
And for others, they choose to give way too much attention to the devil, not focusing instead on what God has done for us. So firstly, let's not fear the enemy. We're told in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39, that neither death, life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So through Jesus, in Jesus, there is no need to fear. But we should be aware that the devil has a strategy. He has a strategy. And that is to steal away your joy. To stop the spreading of God's transformational message. Jesus, when he was on earth, he made this really clear. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, The thief, the devil, the enemy, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So, if the enemy is strategic, we must be too. Paul, in this book of Ephesians that we've just read, Ephesians 6, he knew about this when he wrote about the armor of God. He encouraged the early followers of Jesus to be wary of the devil's schemes. And in that chapter, he unpacks various ways that we can make a stand. Now, I haven't got time to go into all of that today. I'd really encourage you to delve deeper into the armor of God passage. But for today, what we need to hear is what Paul says about prayer. So at the end of that passage, Ephesians six eighteen, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. Paul makes it clear that our most powerful and effective weapon in our stand or our strategy against the devil's schemes is prayer. So if the enemy is strategic, we need to be too. And prayer is your most powerful weapon. It's your most powerful strategy. Joining with Jesus, the ruler of all, in our stand against the devil's schemes. I just want to pause for a moment. I want you to reflect and think, what's been happening in my life or maybe in those around me this week? Can you see areas where the enemy may have been seeking to steal or destroy, take away joy. Praying into what you see going on around you is the first step towards being strategic in your prayer, deliberate, being intentional in your prayer life. So how do we build a strategy in prayer? Last week's talk in the series centered on moving away from guilt and shame in prayer to freedom and grace. If we're going to be strategic in our prayers, we have to move away from shoulds and oughts or comparing our prayer life to others. How much time somebody spends in prayer or what their prayer life looks like. If we spend our time comparing, that is also a strategy of the enemy to make us feel inadequate to make you want to give up and become lackluster in your faith. One of the most important phrases I've learned in this prayer course I've been is this. It's more important to pray as you can 
and not as you can't. So to help us thinking through praying as we can or being strategic in prayer, I'd like us to go through a simple where, when, what, and how toolkit. It's going to be very practical from now. Where, when, what, and how toolkit. Hopefully, something that might enable you to build a strategy in your prayer. See, these areas can massively affect our desire and our passion for prayer. So giving some time to them is not only important, but it's also based on examples in the Bible as well. Let's get into this. So where do you pray firstly? Now we can pray anywhere. We know that. We read earlier, Paul says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. We know we can pray at all times and at all different places. But I want to suggest to you that there is something strategic, there's something deliberate about creating a sacred space, a special physical space in our lives to pray. Let's look at some examples. The famous preacher and the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, is said to have gone into his closet for two hours a day with only his Bible to pray. Doesn't sound very comfortable, doesn't sound very roomy to me. But it was clearly free from distractions, and it became essential to his foundation, to his ministry, to all that he did. Let's look at the story of the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, in Daniel chapter 6. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and praised, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. For Daniel, his space was his bedroom, his upstairs room, with the windows opening, facing towards Jerusalem, the holy city. A sacred space where he cried out to God. Now, Daniel obviously prayed elsewhere, including in a pit of lions, but the writer infers through the line, just as he had done before, that this was a regular pattern for Daniel. It was something that he did daily and also unashamedly in a land where praying to any god other than the king was outlawed. If we look to Jesus, he models exactly the same idea of taking yourself away to pray, creating a sacred space to meet with God. Mark 1, verse 35, we read, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke chapter 5, we read, The news about Jesus spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And then when Jesus himself teaches about prayer, to his disciples, to his followers, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it's clear that there is real value in finding or creating a physical space where you can pray. For me, this is a key part of strategic prayer, and I wonder what this place looks like for all of you. 
I'm going to ask Susie just to come and share um, a little story about something that we've recently set up in our home in this kind of area. So, yeah, Dan, inspired by his course and also um, by the House of Prayer as well, um, set up a prayer room in our home about a month ago. Um, it's pretty simple. It's got our sofa bed that was already there for our guests, um, a little table you can see there, which is the centerpieces, so maybe candles, things like that, a box of art materials that are available specifically for creative prayer. It's not just our general craft box. It's something that we've put there Pinboard and lots of blue tack. <laughs> um, and it's had a huge impact on the kids already. Um, they're really keen, they're really eager to go and spend time in the prayer room. Um, we found that they're exploring more creative prayer than we have done before. Um, and singing and worshipping in there as well, which has been fun. It's made a big difference to all of us. But I think the thing that I would say is before I had a lot of good intentions and some good ideas on occasions that I just never got round to doing. Um, life just got in the way. And what this has done with this space that is there, it's meant the children have got a bit more of their own identity in prayer. They take themselves off. They go and do it. Um, but it's also helped us with our prayer life together be a bit more intentional um, to just have that space there. Now, I know that um, not everyone has a spare guest room or space to do it, but just even a box of some of those things that might be helpful in your prayer life that you can take into a, a created space, I'd really encourage you because it's, it's made a huge impact on our life as a family and our prayer life. So, yeah. Thank you, Susie. So, as Susie said, not everyone's got a spare room that they might be able to designate as a prayer space. That's okay. John Wesley used a closet. Daniel used his own bedroom. But in each of those cases, there was some kind of centerpiece or something that helped them focus and encourage them into prayer. A Bible for John Wesley, a window for Daniel, something that would help them focus. I want you just to chat to the person next to you for a moment. Is there a physical space where you do battle in prayer? Is this place inside or outside? If you have a particular place, do you use any objects there? And are you content at present with where you pray? Or do you want to change something? A few questions. Just two minutes. Talk to the person next to you. Okay, if I can just gather us back. Hopefully, there'll be some time to keep thinking about this later in one of the ways that we're going to respond. So secondly, so we've done where do we pray, a physical space. When do we pray? If we're going to be strategic in our prayer, so deliberate and intentional, when we should think about when we pray. Of course, we can pray at all times, but I think there's something powerful and honoring in our relationship with God about creating a physical time, as well as a space when we might do battle in prayer. If you think for a moment about the enemy's strategies, I wonder if you notice how often temptations arise when you're tired or when you're feeling low in confidence. If the devil is strategic about when he does his battle against us, then we should be strategic about when we do our battle in prayer. When we connect in with Jesus who has defeated the devil once and for all time, we should be thoughtful about the circumstances of our life and think, when is the best time for me to do battle in prayer? 
For Jesus, we know that he regularly withdrew, but often it was early in the morning. Now, I'm not saying that you should go away and start praying early in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Just doesn't work. I fall asleep. Pray as you can, not as you can't. For Daniel, there was a rhythm to his prayer three times a day, presumably morning, lunch, and the evening. Now, this is the same rhythm that's practiced at a place that I've been going to for the last three years with young people, a place called Teze. It's a monastic community in the south of France. And three times a day, these bells sound. I'm going to pop them on, I think. Three times a day, these bells sound, that's right, um, that call people to both a physical place and also a physical time to pray. And literally thousands of young people from all over the world gather together, they kneel, they sit on the floor, and they join in prayer and worship. When I've been in Teze, that rhythm to the prayer has massively helped me. And it was really the inspiration behind coming home and trying to create some kind of space and rhythm to my prayer life at home as well. So when do you pray? Is there a time of day that would particularly be helpful for you? Remember, the enemy's got a strategy about when he does his battles against you. So you should have a strategy about when you pray. Another moment to chat to the people next to you. When do you pray? Does it fit with the rhythm and the circumstances of the rest of your life? Is it a fixed time? Is it variable? Do you need to try changing it in any way? Trying something different? Two minutes. Talk to the people next to you. Okay, so we've done where do you pray, done when do you pray, so let's tackle what and how do you pray. In terms of what do you pray, well there's great advice in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, and it's a prayer that is full of strategy. I could do a whole teaching series here, we could do a whole teaching series on this prayer, and we've obviously not got the time today, but if you want some advice about what to pray, then this is a great starting point. Please delve into this a little bit more in Matthew 6. The Lord's Prayer is strategic. It's really thoughtful and intentional. It's a great guide. But as I said to you earlier, another way to look at this is to say, where do I see God at work around me? And where do I see things happening that are stealing away someone's joy, their life, seeking to kill and destroy? being strategic, pray into those things. How do we do this then? So I'd like to name up front that there are absolutely loads of different ways to pray. There is not one way to pray. I think we all know that and we need to get away from this idea that praying is like screwing up your head, bowing down, putting your hands together, looking like you're in physical pain. That's not necessarily the only way to pray. There are other ways to pray. Um, It's said that St. Patrick... Uh, used to stand in a cold bucket of water to pray. For hours on end, he'd recite all of the psalms, and he got all his mentors to do exactly the same as well. And he would stand in the bucket so that he would stay awake. That's what he used to do. I went for a period of time of uh, trying to have a cold shower every morning. Luke gave me that idea to pray. It lasted about a week. There we are. Um, but if we're going to be strategic, thoughtful, intentional, we should think about what helps us to pray. And to use those things. So firstly, I just want to say to you, vary it. Vary your prayer life. It could be any of these things. 
creativity. Music, words, silence, walking. Some of my most intentional times of prayer have been when I have been pacing around my bedroom or a room praying. Not a particularly big room, but I've just been doing circles or crying out to God. That has been some of my most intentional prayers. And I'd like to encourage you to experiment, to try different things in your prayer. This is strategic. So just like a military leader will have lots of different ways planned and approaches planned for their battle, I'd encourage you to have a similar approach in your prayer. It will help you to feel fresh in your prayer. But I also think it might open your eyes and your ears to hear and see things in new ways and hear God in new ways as well. Um, One of the things I've learned on the course is to use art. I am major freaked out by art. Here it is. This is one of my drawings. Um, I'm hopeless at art, always have been hopeless at art, um, and I've been really phobic and scared of it. This drawing, we've been encouraged in this course after times of contemplation or after times of journaling or talking to God or meditation, whatever it might have been, we've been then encouraged to try and draw our prayer experience. This is one of my drawings. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter at all. It's between me and God. But I can say to you, this came after a really profound period of contemplation, speaking with God. And when I drew it out, loads of new things came to me. God spoke to me in loads of new ways when I took pen to paper and tried to use my very limited art skills. So vary it. Try different things. I also want to say to you, record it. Really encourage you to write down your prayers if you don't already. Journaling is really helpful. Get yourself a journal. Something you can go back and you can see answered prayers. I've heard stories of people who keep journals and list down everything they're praying about and they literally tick it off when God has answered their prayers. For others, it might be post-it notes. Our prayer room is now full of post-it notes on the wall, prayers that are written down and stuck on the wall. Place them somewhere where you can see them, where they can be absorbed into your being. That's quite strategic, to have a prayer that you've written down in somewhere on a wall where you are seeing it. And lastly, I think we need to celebrate it. This fits in with the idea of journaling to remind ourselves regularly of answered prayers. There's nothing more strategic than that. You know, the devil absolutely hates it when we remember answered prayers. Because that's making a really clear statement. It's saying, I know on whose foundation I stand. I stand on the rock of Jesus who has defeated the devil once and for all times, and he is faithful, and he will answer my prayers. And here's the evidence. He answers my prayers. So, chat to the person next to you again. What form does your prayer take? Is it always the same? Are you content with it? Or could you vary it? Could you try some new things? Share with the person next to you. Okay. So let's draw things together uh, to sum up. I said earlier, we are in a battle. Paul made that really clear when he wrote to the early, early Christians in the book of Ephesians. He wrote with a battle plan for standing against the strategies of the enemy. He lays out all the spiritual armor, ways to protect our hearts, our souls, and our minds. But he made it clear 
that our most important weapon and the one that God has called us to use in partnership with him is prayer. So let's make sure we use this. Let's make sure we think through some of the strategies that we've discussed today to help us build and grow a passion in our prayer life. I said at the beginning, we can have passion and we can have strategy. And when the two come together, it can be very powerful for our prayer life. I want to finish with a quote from Tim Keller. Tim Keller writes, How wonderful that the thing that most honors you will most transform me. I commit myself to giving you that glory every day. Amen.